Hey, this is David Hayter. You may know me as the screenwriter of films like X-Men, X-Men 2, and Watchmen, but you probably know me best as the voice of Solid Snake from Metal Gear Solid. And you're listening to Hawaii's number one podcast, the Casanova Podcast. Kept you waiting, huh? and welcome everyone to another episode of hawaii's number one podcast the casanova podcast i'm your host Mikhail casanova and today i have the true honor and privilege of interviewing the one the only joe of GameStack. joe how you doing today awesome great to be here man awesome awesome it's uh it's an honor to have you on huge fan of the channel and the the work you guys have done over the years and you know, it's, it's, uh, I'm nervous. I'm actually nervous. Well, I'm always nervous. Every, every interview I do, I'm always nervous, but I'm incredibly nervous now because like the content you guys have done over the last what, eight, nine, 10 years has really like influenced me to yeah, come up on 10 me. years in a couple of months. It's man, it's a wild journey. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So, um, you know, I'm going to shut up at this point. Go ahead and introduce yourself. Like, I, I don't want to mess it up. I, I'm so nervous. But. <laughs> right. Well, I am Joe from GameSack. GameSack is a channel on YouTube. Uh, I created it with my friend Dave back in April of 2011. I think our first episode was released in like early March. I have to go back and check, but sometime around then. And we've mm -hmm. just been covering retro video games since then mostly retro video games we do occasionally talk about new games because we still both like to play you know current video games but we've been mostly focused on the retro stuff um dave is no longer part of the show um nothing you know no bad blood or anything he just has mm -hmm. family to take care of and you know creating game sec took a little bit more time than he was comfortable with which mm -hmm. I can understand. Um, I have none of that going on, so I'm, I'm continuing the show on my own, and sometimes Dave will drop by when he gets a little bit of time. And it's been, like you said, a wild ride. It's been pretty crazy. Like, when you when you think back on it, like, you look back, let's say, let's step into DeLorean, go back 10 years ago, would you have ever thought that the channel and the brand would have taken off to the heights that it has? Honestly, no. I mean, I, I would never even have thought that I would still be doing it in 10 years. I just, mm -hmm. when we first started, I was like, okay, we'll just see how it goes. And that's as far as my thought process went. Mm -hmm. I didn't even, I mean, there was, I guess, a way to make, to monetize videos back then, but that wasn't even on my mind yet. I didn't mm -hmm. even think it would be, you know, possible to do such a thing with GameSack until like, at least a year later and uh so is yeah it's definitely grown a lot bigger than i thought it would have yeah it's it's just interesting like looking at how the landscape of youtube has grown from you know the the site where basically it was built by you know independent creators such as yourself to 
now it's uh like everyone's trying to get on on youtube now all the celebrities you got all the the uh, multimedia companies they're all hopping on like youtube is like in your okay so this is a two-part question but in your opinion um has the landscape of youtube has it changed a lot for the better or the worse with all these uh brands and, and celebrities hopping on the platform right that that's uh question that can be answered in both ways that yes it has changed for the better and yes it has changed for the worse <laughs> uh for the worst you know it's it's harder for people to get on and build an audience yeah i think um because you know everyone's trying these days mm -hmm. so it's harder for people just to get seen in the at the start and uh for the better i i think it has um you've got better quality video better quality audio than was even dreamed upon like back in YouTube's early days. Mm -hmm. And I remember just hating the YouTube video quality, you know, the first few years it existed. And it's just so much better now. But it's also, you know, at least from my point of view, it's a little bit better because I'm, I have a following, I guess you could say. And mm -hmm. it, it's, it's easier, I think, to make a living once you have that many followers. Um, I, I I don't want to sound like, you know, I don't want to toot my own horn or anything, but... Go ahead, toot the horn. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. It's, it's just like, you know, it's, I'm glad I came into YouTube when I did. Because mm -hmm. I think if I came in later, I wouldn't have been able to build the same amount of following. Is basically what I'm trying to get at, I think. Yeah. So... No, I, I can definitely see that. Um, it's because I, I know, like, uh, especially out here in Hawaii, there's a lot of people that within, you know, clearly the last year and or you know, we were to add even the year prior 2019 to that. A lot of people out here were trying to jump into YouTube and they're struggling with it. They're like, oh, I don't know how to get views. I don't know how to you know catch on with using social media. And I'm like, it was a lot like when I started, I started YouTube back in. I want to say 2015, 2016, it was easier then. <laughs> yeah. A lot easier then. The algorithm didn't feel like it was throttling you then. But mm -hmm. a lot of people now that I know, they're uploading videos and they're like, I'm getting no traction. And I'm like, yeah, it's it's <laughs> significantly harder right. now. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of ways it's changed for the worse, you know, the algorithm being one of them. But I think that, unfortunately, is kind of a necessary evil yeah uh, because you know not all of your subscribers will get notified when you upload something but yeah. at the same time everyone's subscribed to like 40 or 50 or more different channels who knows how many and yeah. uh, so youtube is just trying to do its best to make things as uncluttered unfortunately it has a side effect of not always seeing the channels you want which is why they have that bell which supposedly doesn't always work yeah like it's it's kind of a hit or miss but you know hopefully more uh hits than misses right right but definitely man let's let's uh talk you know your your journey like uh your journey with gaming and whatnot i i know you've you know you guys have spoken about it many times on on game Sack, but uh you know from your perspective how like what was it like growing up uh as a gamer well my first exposure to games of course was the in the arcade because that's you know how old i am and mm -hmm. uh so I'd play games like Miss Pac-Man, Kangaroo, and Hubert. Those were some of my favorites. And mm -hmm. my family didn't own an Atari, but 
we knew someone who did. And so I, I played occasionally there, but I didn't really, you know, get the, the full gaming bug until the 8-bit systems came out. Mm -hmm. And at the time I was visiting arcades still, and I really liked the Sega games like Outrun, Space Harrier or whatever. Mm -hmm. And that's why I chose that. I felt like the Sega Master System would be the console for me. So I was just really jonesing for that. And I saved up all my Christmas money. And eventually once they got them restocked in the stores, I went and bought that. Mm -hmm. And basically I've just been playing video games ever since. It's been crazy. I mean, video games really, I mean, they were popular during the Atari days, but they became really popular during the Nintendo days. And ever yeah. since then, gaming has, it has not gone away at all. It's just gotten bigger and bigger. It's, it's crazy. It's, it's amazing to see what's happened in this industry. It really is like going from watching, you know, pixels on screen to being fully lifelike 3D models that sometimes, you know, it's hard to tell if it's, if it, is it real? Is it CG? You know, it's, it's come a long way. Um, you know, I was, I, I grew up during uh, the 80s. So like being able to grow up with the, you know, Sega Master System, the original NES and the yeah. Turbo Graphics, like for me growing up, seeing that now to to where it is from then to now is just it's truly astounding and it's something when i talk to a lot of the younger generation that are gamers now and like their first exposure with gaming is like the 360 or the, <laughs> the playstation 2 or or the the gamecube and i'm like wow yeah that, to, to look at the amount of generations that have come and gone like even before that it's just wow that that that's your start point okay okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah it is pretty amazing to think about and i found that a lot of people who you know even though their exposure was that generation or even later mm -hmm. a lot of them will still like like the retro games like the eight and the 16-bit games yeah um, uh not so much the atari stuff that hasn't aged as well but i think yeah. it just goes to show how well older games have aged and yeah that just it just shows you how good game design became during that era i think yeah and it's like you, you look at um a lot there were like it's it's funny how some people say that like you know games nowadays were they're rushed in the way the games back then weren't but i was like no there's a lot of games back then that were rushed that mm -hmm. didn't hold up very well <laughs> so you know, well, it's, it's easier to, you know, cherry pick when you're looking back on something. Yeah. So it's like, you know, people who always say like, oh, the old Saturday Night Live is better than the new. It's like, no, you're just cherry picking. It's always sucked. But they <laughs> yeah. always have like, you know, good stuff here and there. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, so, OK, so. Uh, Sega, we went to Sega Master System, uh, going to the Sega Genesis, like. At what point do you feel like gaming started to become more mainstream? Like, I guess, oh, yes. definitely like, the PlayStation era. Like, once they came out with like games on disc and they really started getting into the stories in games. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not huge into stories in games, I don't mind them, but that's not like the reason I buy games. But once they started doing that, you know, they, they got the Metal Gear Solid type of games and the Final Fantasy VII stuff like that, people just mm -hmm. started going crazy. And the PlayStation. I think was the biggest selling console ever at that point. Then yeah. of course the PlayStation two comes along and it's still the biggest selling console ever with just yeah. an insane amount of games. So 
it started becoming mainstream in the PlayStation era, I think, like really mainstream. And then it just became absolutely mainstream in the PS2 era, I think, surpassing the movie industry. Yeah. And it's interesting, like a lot of games you mentioned, you know, very narrative driven games. A lot of people seem to have this assumption that the narrative, strong narrative games started with the PlayStation 1. When in reality, I mean, Sega had been doing it as well as Nintendo. I mean, you had Fantasy right. Star oh, Series, yeah. you know, Shining Force, uh, you had you know, the Final Fantasy, and, and even Ease had yeah. been doing it for a while. But yeah, yeah. it's like I, I don't think they were ever marketed very well because, yeah, there was like this belief that people in the West didn't want to play RPGs, they wanted yeah. only action games. So companies wouldn't take a chance or they wouldn't spend much in marketing them. And then Final Fantasy VII comes along and they, they market the hell out of that. Mm-hmm. And uh, it just takes off like crazy. Yeah. And then um, there's also, too, wouldn't it, with uh, Japan with art, well, the games that were coming out here back in the days uh, for, like, say it was it uh, Super Nintendo, uh, original Nintendo and Sega Genesis, they would artificially harden them because yeah. of rental, like blockbuster <laughs> and whatnot. <laughs> yeah, and like you, you'd think they'd be all over these RPGs because of that reason. Because most RPGs, you're not going to beat, you know, renting yeah. it for a couple of nights. Yeah. So I would have think they would have had more games like that where you, you know, you'd want to buy them to take your time and go through them. But no, I guess not. I mean, they still released them, but they just didn't market them very well. I don't think. Yeah. It's, it's interesting when I, I go back and play the older titles back then, and I'm like, damn, this game is hard. How yeah. the hell did I go? Like, it, it's funny, like, the perspective of being an adult playing these games from back then to being a kid playing it at the time. And, like, I, I was, uh, I forgot who I was talking to uh, the other day. I was doing a podcast, and I was telling them, like, back then, like, for, at least for me and most folks I knew, you only got a game on your birthday yeah. or Christmas or if you saved up money to buy something. Right. Um, and so, like, if you got something and it sucked, it didn't matter. You're going to play it. Because that's <laughs> yeah, I remember, like, when Dynamite Heady came out on the Genesis. Oh, yeah. Was, that thing is incredibly difficult. And, like, I had a chance to play the Japanese version, which I'd never even thought of doing. Mm. But it's on the... Uh, genesis mini i believe and you can switch it to the japanese mode and it's, it's like wow this game is yeah. like a lot better i mean i i feel it's a lot better in the the japanese version because it's the gameplay is more balanced yeah but i'm still able to get pretty far in the in the u.s version it's just like it's a lot more frustrating yeah i know definitely going back to play the original castlevania on the nes for mm-hmm. me i have no idea how i beat that as a kid <laughs> <laughs> Like <laughs> I was struggling playing on the the Castlevania collection recently. I was like, man, yeah, getting to stage six, yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty nuts. <laughs> yeah, it is. But I think it's like you said before. Yeah, that's the only game you have, so you play it over and over and over. And you, yeah. So and then then you go back to it like twenty or thirty years later, and you're just you know you haven't played it for a while, so yeah, <laughs> you're not as yeah. good. Definitely. Um, so with uh, the advent of gaming, you know, becoming more mainstream, uh, have you seen, well, clearly, well, probably you yeah, have, this is a dumb question. Let me rephrase that. <laughs> uh, um, so with gaming going mainstream, 
um, the types of gamers have definitely changed. What has been your opinion on modern gamers or the more recent gamers that have come around within the last 10, 15 or so years compared to like more so the era like you and I grew up in? Well, I think the era that you and I grew up in was more or less a boys only club. I mean, girls yeah. did play games, but you just didn't hear about it as much. I mean, there was yeah. no internet, so you didn't really know. But it yeah. seemed, it felt like kind of a boys only club. Uh, yeah. These days, it's definitely not that. And not only that, but back then, it was mostly like, you know, teenagers or younger playing games, you know, teenagers yeah. at the oldest. And teenagers weren't really playing many video games until like the Genesis came out and Sega tried to appeal to an older audience. And yeah, you know, gamers from the previous generation were growing up. But now, you know, obviously players of every age, even people older than us are playing games. Yeah. And personally, I think that's great. Yeah. So it's pretty impressive. I mean, I, I'm just glad to see the industry grow to expand its audience, which is really nice. Yeah. It's like literally anyone can pick up and play a game and i really feel like the wii also helped that too oh yeah big time <laughs> <laughs> oh man i know um a lot of folks i know out here like a lot of my friends uh even their grandparents so you go to their places you still see the wii with like the only game they have is like wii sports <laughs> yeah of course that's all they need they just need wii bowling that's all. right <laughs> i mean i can understand it's a good game so <laughs> Yeah, it works. They're having fun with that. No big deal. Yeah, yeah. Um, with the uh, we've seen a lot of um retro uh games come back in the sense of like uh, like the Astro City Mini, you've Mm got the uh, was it the Neo Geo Mini, you've got the arcade one up machines have been blowing up in popularity. Uh, it's is it shocking to see how that has resurged? after so many years uh probably not shocking more i'm gonna like bring that down a little bit and say just surprising (laughs) (laughs) not like oh my goodness but you know it's it's like a it's like a pleasant surprise because Mm -hmm. it it just makes me happy that people are still able to appreciate these old games and have Mm -hmm. new avenues to play them you know because not everyone has like crts laying around and and the ability yeah. to hook up their old consoles and cartridges and you know whatnot, and they don't necessarily want to get back into it, but they still want to play those old games that they played before, or maybe they just want to experience it for the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's great. Um, I also am hoping, and, and I think it's true that it you know helps renew interest in retro, and like maybe someone who wasn't interested in those games before may have some growing interest now having played mm-hmm. those games like i said like there are some kids who you know their first experience was a 360 or or whatever and they still mm-hmm. like those old games once they play them they think they're cool to uh mess around with and get into yeah and i definitely think it helps in the sense of uh a digital preservation or a preservation in general for oh, these older titles because there's so many classics that just released physically only and then there's no other way you can play it i mean there of course there's emulation and then there's the gray area around that but you know a lot of stuff there's almost no way to play it you know legally anymore Mm -hmm. um and it's uh kind of alarming i know i've talked to some folks at uh capcom recently about um 
how they're re-releasing a lot of stuff and you know what are their thoughts on classic ips that they have that they haven't brought back and they're like you know we'd love to but there's a lot of great tape there's licensing and you know the mm-hmm. legal like uh was alien versus predator they're like yeah we'd love to more oh, readily yeah. get available but yeah capcom and especially konami you know in the arcades anyway they just yeah. loved making video games based on licensed property and that's well, like they said, a lot of great tapes. Like, how do you do that? Like yeah. Scott Pilgrim recently just came back. Yeah. Um, and that's been what that got released in 2013 originally, somewhere around there. Yeah. And yeah. That probably wouldn't have went away if it wasn't for the license. Outrun comes and goes because of the Ferrari license. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's really kind of frustrating that, you know, games based on licenses have this issue. And Honestly, I don't really see many games, you know, besides sports games anymore being based on licenses. I mean, I guess there would be racing games. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I don't know if you call those sports games or not, but uh, you don't really see like, a, you know, a Tommy Lasorda baseball or a, a mm-hmm. you know, a, an Aliens versus Predator game. Well, well, I guess you do. I mean, I guess they do happen. Mm-hmm. I, I may just be full of shit. I really don't know. <laughs> but it seems like it's less. No, I mean, um, it, it was definitely good to play. Um, I know uh, Koch Media and um, Capcom, they sent me out uh, about a year and a half ago, the Capcom Home Arcade. And I know, I know that got a lot of flack for the emulation and, and the selection of games. But like for me, it was good to be able to play that. Mm-hmm. Uh, play Alien vs. Predator again because I haven't. Oh, how long has it been? Twenty something years since I last touched it. Yeah. So, um, I, I I like the fact that there there are ways like such as that that you can play a lot of these retro titles. I just wish it was more easily accessible. Right. But I don't know. I mean, I don't know what um the solution would be. I don't know like either. But one I thing play, I would love to play uh, Cadillacs versus Dinosaurs again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> one thing i really i'm kind of a stickler on is like if they're gonna re you know do these uh compilations or whatever mm-hmm. i really wish they would go the extra mile and make sure the emulation is as good as they can get it because yeah. i think it would be best if you know people experienced the game the way it was meant to be experienced more or less mm-hmm. um just in terms of graphics and audio um and gameplay of course but um like when they started coming out with like these emulated games, like on the Xbox 360, I remember yeah. Digital Eclipse, not in their best years. They're a lot better now, but yeah. they were doing that. The audio was just awful. Um, yeah. Like in the Castlevania games and the Golden Axe arcade games, it's just mm-hmm. like horrible audio. I just, uh, and, and, you know, a lot of Genesis emulators originally a long time ago had really bad audio and people would just, think the genesis audio is just that bad i mean they may still not like it even when it sounds really good but that gave it even a worse reputation in my opinion and, and yeah. so, good emulation is important to me it it, it is like you give the people the true accurate representation of what it what really was and, right. and that is important uh, i remember for myself personally i tried the at games uh, oh, God. <laughs> That probably didn't do anything to help the Genesis's reputation either. Because no. they, they came out with so many of those. <laughs> and they were cheap, really cheap. So people would buy them and they'd just think, 
oh man, the Genesis looks and sounds like ass. <laughs> yeah. And you know, what other context do they have? So yeah. And then uh was it Sega came out with their own version of it, and it's like you guys should have done that before. Right. Well, they... that's that's funny because originally when they were coming out with the Genesis Mini or Mega Drive Mini or whatever they were calling it, mm-hmm. um at games was slated to be the people who were gonna make it. Yeah. They, <laughs> people were like, uh no, and they, they got dropped really <laughs> fast. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, this um <sighs> That's the other thing too. Is like I, I'm. I was surprised when these the the mini consoles were coming out, um, and how quickly they sell out. Like when I got my uh, Sega Genesis Mini and I got the, the Super Nintendo and the NES Mini and the Neo Geo Mini, I I had to literally back you know how we used to do back in the day, like camp out to get it, and I was shocked to see how many people were there. I was like, yeah, what this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm curious how many of those they make. I mean, it is hard, especially the Nintendo stuff. Yeah. Because it seems like, I don't know if it's artificial scarcity on their part, because it seems like anytime Nintendo comes without, out with something, it's really hard to get a hold of suspiciously. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. So I know the PlayStation Mini wasn't that hard to get a hold of because it had kind of a bad reputation at the start. I guess you can you know, jailbreak it or do something to it now where it's all okay and even actually kind of cool. But I know in the in the beginning they were discounted heavily. I was yeah, you see that okay, so that one. Okay, what are your thoughts on that PlayStation Mini? The PlayStation the PlayStation Yeah, the, yeah. Whatever it was called. Um the <laughs> it it yeah, I, I didn't like those issues, like them having all those PAL games for whatever yeah. reason and running slower. I that that just baffled me. Everyone's gonna say, you know, hey, it doesn't include this game or that game. There's no way they could have included a perfect list of games. Granted, they could have definitely included a better list of games. No one's saying that <laughs> that's the yeah. best out there, but I think if you're going to get one, you can hack it and then you can put whatever you want on there. And I think that's probably pretty good to go. I, th- I, I think the actual form factor of the thing is pretty awesome. It looks, it's just so cool looking. Mm-hmm. And like even the USB, you plug in the USB controllers and it, you can't even tell it's a USB controller. It looks like a little PlayStation controllers plugged in. Yeah. yeah I was like, when I saw the game list for it, I was like, Okay, Final Fantasy VII, that makes sense. Metal Gear, that makes sense. But if you're going to put that on there, why are you not having the analog? Right. Yeah, yeah, I forgot about that. They really should have had that. But some of the other titles, like the original Persona and uh, Toshinden, I was like, really? Toshinden. I guess it has us fans. I don't know how many, but does it? <laughs> I think it does. Maybe it's just because of the music. I don't know. I, yeah. Yeah. That was, that was wild. Like I, I thought, um, you know, Sega, Nintendo did way better with theirs. I mean, even SNK, oh, yeah. like with a lot of, I know a lot of people complain like with the SNK, uh, the Neo Geo mini that is too many fighting games, but I'm like, if you grew up in the 90s or you were around in the 90s, that's kind of what SNK was known for. Yeah, I mean, that's the Neo Geo for you. 
Yeah. <laughs> I, I thought this, the little screen on that thing was actually not too bad. Um, I think the HDMI output could have been a little crisp. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I did like what they did with the uh, controllers that you can plug into them because mm -hmm. uh, the original Neo Geo CD controllers, which it's you know modeled after, had the mm -hmm. button arrangement so that A and B, A was like below B and B was right above A, kind mm -hmm. of to, to the right. And so like games like Magician Lord or, or games where you had an action and a jump button, mm -hmm. it didn't feel right. Not like holding a Super Nintendo controller where you're you're jumping with B and uh, doing your action move with Y, I think it is. So yeah. they, they switched it around. So it was more like a Super Nintendo controller. And I definitely approved of that. I know there's controversy with it for not having the micro switches within it. Yeah, I, I honestly, I mean, that, that didn't bother me as much as some people. It was still a good pad. So yeah. in fact, I, I kind of like it better without the micro switches because I have the real pad and it breaks down all the time. Yeah. Um, it just there's something in there that it just it sheds and you got to clean it out yeah and definitely i think for a lot of the fighting games that it has like snk games are notorious for crazy you know variations of inputs to oh, do yeah. moves so having just the analog actually in many ways for me it makes sense so mm -mm. um I know. Um, so with the the Sega Astro City Mini that recently came out too, it, is that coming stateside or is that I just? I think so. I mean, if it does, I'll be surprised. Uh, you know, like I said in my video about it, never mm -hmm. say never. But yeah. I would be surprised if it did, which is why I picked it up because that's you know the Astro City is it's the that cabinet is kind of a mm -hmm. very Japanese thing. I mean, they could still bring it out over here. I think it would find his fans regardless but uh i would be surprised but it's really good i really like it and it's not perfect yeah. but it's, it's i think it was worth the money for me yeah like i know some of the emulation on it was kind of like for a few games was kind of spotty uh yeah. one of my friends had said but they yeah. especially like the virtua fighter yeah virtua fighter um there's a little bit of slowdown during the replays and yeah whatnot. um but it doesn't happen if you're playing it on the Astro City's screen itself. So, and then, then there's a few, you know, the normal sound emulation differences mm -hmm. and stuff like that, which they never get right. Okay. Okay. Um, speaking of which, when it comes to, uh, for, for GameSack, the style that you guys have, or, or it's, at this point, you, but um, both of you previously like how did you guys come up with that style because i've seen other channels after you know you and dan that are you know sega versus nintendo but you know how did you guys come up with that style the sega versus nintendo style yeah um, well basically you know i've always been at least in high school when we were going to high school together i've been more of a sega fan and dave is more of a nintendo guy though we both still mm -hmm. liked you know the the other systems i would always buy every system i could as mm -hmm. soon as i could like well i didn't get an nes until you know maybe 15 years ago but that's another mm -hmm. story but when starting <laughs> with the super nintendo uh, i bought it as soon as i could with uh, mm -hmm. some christmas money and some job money mm -hmm. and uh, i got that a few months after launch and then just after that um i would buy every system i could except for the likes of the the cdi uh, as soon as they came out. Oh, was like, CDI. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> I did. I bought the 3DO when it first came out. That, uh, but uh, I would buy everything but the CDI. And I don't think the Amiga CD32 was sold in my particular area. So I, mm-hmm. I had no interest in it anyway. And I, the only other system that was a true console that I didn't buy was the Atari Jaguar. I was just mm-hmm. like, no, I, I just can't. So, but I've just always kind of had, you know, a kind of a love for Sega because they're they've always been kind of the underdog, and mm-hmm. it, it's fun to battle. It gives us something to do during the episode, you know, tease each other for, you know, liking a certain Nintendo or Sega game, and just mm-hmm. it, 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 it made for some funny moments. And, and we we would you know come up with things that you know we're making fun of each other with that you know we don't really feel but we're just doing it just to be an ass to each other. <laughs> it's like, your game sucks just because it's on Nintendo. You, no matter how good it is, it doesn't matter because it sucks because it's on Nintendo. You know, just yeah. just, just that kind of logic where you, you 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 change your way of thinking just to make sure the other guy's console sucks no matter what. It has to suck because you don't own it you own something else so my console is better than your console <laughs> so well people don't realize well i think more modern gamers don't understand the idea of the console wars like i know people now are like oh xbox versus playstation and it, to me what modern quote unquote console wars is kind of silly but i remember how it was back in the day it really was <laughs> Sega versus Nintendo. Yeah, well, and it back was... then they had a lot of exclusives. These days, not really. So it's it's kind of weird to fight about consoles these days. It really, yeah. And it's like, like I, I see the argument a lot of people have for like Xbox. They're like, oh, Xbox doesn't have any games. And then I'm like, okay, so where is this argument going? And it's about exclusives. And then when they talk about Sony exclusives, I'm like, okay, well, if you were to really name sony made exclusives they're not a whole lot you know if you were to compare it more so to nintendo but okay so sony's got their exclusives and then they have more japanese oriented games like rpgs and fighting games yeah right. it makes sense because it's a japanese console whereas primarily with xbox gamers they don't really play fighting games or rpgs yeah. but um yeah it's just the the current console war thing is just, it's silly to me and there's very little differences between the consoles at this point you know what's really so far this is totally stupid too um my favorite mm-hmm. thing about this current console generation mm-hmm. is the backwards compatibility how sad is that i mean i love it but <laughs> it's like when, when the backwards compatibility outweighs the new games that are out right <laughs> that's a little sad but still yeah. i love it <laughs> so I like how like some of the older games, you know, they they're uh, they get beefed up when you play them on mm-hmm. a newer console. I think that's cool. It, it makes me want to try them all again and stuff. Because I, I was thinking, like, with uh, if we were to take away the backwards compatibility of the PlayStation Five and the Xbox Series X, I think the Xbox Series X would probably have one game <laughs> still, <laughs> and the PlayStation Five would have what two, one, I think. <laughs> Two or one. Yeah, I don't know. No, it, it depends on if you count digital games because there's for the PlayStation yeah. 5, there would be the Astros Playground and Demon's Souls. Can yeah. Demon's Souls is a remake. So can you count that since it's on the PlayStation 3? <laughs> and then, uh, I mean, I guess you could. 
because it's yeah. built from the ground up. And then uh, Xbox would have what the Falconeer or whatever it's called. Falconeer, yeah. But it's, it's I, I still need to get that. But um, it's also <laughs> on PC. So <laughs> yeah, it's um I, I worked with uh, Wire Productions uh, with promoting and and streaming the Falconeer. It's it's fun. Mm-hmm. Just you know, streaming that for uh, five hours is that was a little, little daunting, but yeah, it kind of looks like uh, one of my old favorite Xbox games, Crimson Skies. Yeah, you know, just yeah. the way it plays, and so that's kind of what appeals to me. Yeah, it's it's definitely got that appeal to it. It's uh, it, it is fun the customization you can do with the the different uh, Falcons that you get. Uh, it, it's a fun game that. I wish kind of got more exposure than what it did. Yeah, but, but it's not a system seller. So. Yeah, yeah, it's not. Um, but yeah, like with uh, you know going back to how it was back in the day, Sega and Nintendo. Like back then, <laughs> you look at all the consoles that dropped between you know when the Super Nintendo, the Sega Genesis. You had all the you know the Amiga, the 3DO. You had the, the Jaguar. You had the, with the CDI. I actually have a story. I remember when my mom was like, oh, she came home one day. She's like, hey, kids, I got you guys a new console. And she brought home the, the CDI. And we we're like, oh, what, is, <laughs> like what, what is this? And she's like, oh, it's a new game console. This is a Nintendo. We're like, that's that's not a no. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> oh, man. But, um, is it is it surprising to see how many companies are not making consoles now compared to back then? I know, right? Got- because back then, you know, Sony jumped into the game. It was just Sega and Nintendo for a little bit. Yeah, Sony jumped into the game. Atari jumped back in. Panasonic and Gold Star, now known as LG, jumped in. Mm-hmm. Um, Philips with the CDI and Magnav- what did Magnavox have their own CDI. Somewhere I think there. they did, yeah. Um, like just crazy. I mean, it's like a man. Everyone was making their own version of this or that hardware. So yeah, it's and now it's just down to the big three: Sony, Microsoft, and Nintendo. And then I guess you can include Atari, somewhat. Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you mean for their that the that thing? Yeah, that, that thing. <laughs> then I guess we got to include uh, in television with their uh, Amico, right? <laughs> so, but th- neither of those are out. Is the Atari thing out yet? I think it just shipped. Uh, oh, a few wow. people may have gotten it. Um, that that thing was. I, I think the last time I really heard people talking about that was like two or three years ago, and, and I saw. A few people, I think ETA Prime and a couple other YouTubers. Uh, I think Mad Little Pixel got his, and um, I was like, "Oh, that thing is it. It actually lives." <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's a digital only console because there was no place to insert any kind of games. Yeah, and then it's, I don't know. You could count the little guys like the, the people who make the Evercade too, I suppose. Yeah. Um, was it the KFC console? They're supposed I, to be. Yeah, is I that... still don't know what that is. What? <laughs> I've heard like, of it, but it's like what? It's like keep keep your chicken warm while you game, and I'm like, okay, that doesn't even seem 
possible. Like, <laughs> got to keep your score so high, otherwise it just you know your chicken starts cooling off. And... <laughs> <laughs> gotta oh, get to man. a certain level, otherwise it doesn't unlock, and you can't eat your chicken. <laughs> you know what? If they if they marketed it that way, I think that would actually work. <laughs> Might. <laughs> By the KFC uh, console, chicken's already inside. You got to play to unlock. Say, like, where, where can you buy it? Go to your local KFC. <laughs> yep. Oh, man. Um, what are your thoughts on this? Uh, I guess the the future of gaming at some point is going to go all digital. Oh, but yeah. do you feel we're close to that? I know companies are trying very hard to push, like Microsoft and Sony are trying to push that they're digital consoles but yeah i think i mean every time a new console comes out i think okay the next console will be the one that goes digital only i thought that when the playstation 3 and xbox 360 started you know selling full games digitally online it's like okay maybe Mm -hmm. the ps4 and whatever they call the next xbox will do that and they tried that with the next xbox and they got a lot of backlash Mm -hmm. and so they went back to physical media and then uh or they did they did something really weird. I can't remember what it was, but they they tried something similar to that. And then uh, I figured, okay, well, the next Xbox after that and the PS5 will be all digital. But nope. But they're they they have the digital only versions of the consoles. So who knows? We'll see what the PS6 and the Xbox Series, whatever. Okay, we got to talk about that. Xbox's naming conventions. Oh, what are your thoughts? <laughs> like they, okay, Xbox, okay, they call it the Xbox, whatever. Cool. I mean, right. it doesn't bother me. Then, of course, the next thing they call their system is Xbox 360. Why did they call it the 360, not the Xbox 2? Because mm-hmm. the PlayStation 3 came out, and if they're going to come out with the Xbox 2, you know, people will look at that. People are dumb. They will look at mm-hmm. that and say, the Xbox two is less powerful than the PS three because the number is lower. Yeah. Uh, so they called it the Xbox three sixty. And then <laughs> people just, you know, as its life went on, people kept calling it, Hey, it's the three sixty. get that game for the three sixty. I'm going to play me some three sixty. So mm-hmm. that was the logic in calling the next console, the Xbox one. Cause mm-hmm. they figured, Oh, people would just call it the one. And that's cool. No, mm-hmm. they did not do that. They called it X Bomb. <laughs> so, <laughs> and then, then you know that lived its life, and they finally came out with the uh, the 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 DLC for it, or whatever you want to call it, the 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 uh, expansion pack called the uh, Xbox One X, and uh, it was slightly <laughs> more powerful. So it's like, yeah, okay, you know, whatever. I can I can deal with that. No big deal. Then they mm-hmm. come out with the Xbox Series X. And I'm like, wait, no. That is way <laughs> too close to Xbox One X. And like I said, people are stupid. Microsoft should know this because they called their 360. They called it the 360, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. They shouldn't call it the Series X. They should call it something that's completely different than the One X or the Series S or whatever it was called. Just mm-hmm. to differentiate it. I mean, Nintendo learned that right away when they brought out the Wii U because they were like, "Is that another you know Wii console?" Or you know, yeah, it's it very confusing for a lot of people. So it's 
best not to take that chance. You know, some gamers are like, well, you know, people who know will definitely know the difference between the Series X and the One X. You know, don't you? It's like, yes, I do. And so do you. But everyone's not as into this stuff as we are when they're going to the store to buy these things. Yeah. So I think the naming should be different. It really should be. And it's, I, I think whoever was at Microsoft doing like the, you know, whoever had the inventory, they're like, okay, we need to quickly discontinue the Xbox One X. Right. Because of the whole, what was it? Was it Amazon or people were trying, they were buying the One X <laughs> thinking they yeah. got the Series X. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Right when the Series X went on sale, they were buying a lot of One X. Because you just you're just looking for that Xbox X. That's what your mind sees. So yeah. it's like, okay, that's what I need. Buy. So yeah, I saw a lot of people posting on like Twitter and Instagram. They're like, yeah, oh, even Facebook too. They're like, oh yeah, I got my, I got my Series X, and they're showing the receipt. And then people in the comments are like, wait, you got the One X? Oh, like, no, it's the Series X. You know, it's the Xbox with the X. So that's that's the <laughs> one I got. I was like, yeah. yeah. It, it, <laughs> so they basically just changed their console name from one to series and yeah. you know i have both the playstation 5 and the xbox series x and i tell you when i first turned on that series x it felt exactly exactly like the yeah. xbox one it's like what's the difference and they didn't make it they didn't go out of their way to make it feel like any different no so that, that's that's just no. kind of sad to me it feels I, more like an, uh, you know, if the Xbox One X was the Xbox One Pro, this would be the Xbox Pro Pro. It's still yeah. like the same generation of console, I guess. Yeah, because it's like the, the entire interface is the same. It mm -hmm. feels the same. Like the only time you're going to be, it, the only way you'll notice a difference is if you, one, have a TV or a monitor that can output, you know, 4K60 or 4K120, which right. very, I don't I don't think we really have any monitors yet. I know they announced some at CES, but with the HDMI 2.1, but yeah, there's a few, not many. Yeah. So it's like unless you've got the monitor and TV that can handle the bandwidth for a higher refresh rate and resolution, it doesn't really feel any different. I mean that's quick right. resolution, which is cool, mm -hmm. but you have no control over that. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. So I'm, uh, I'm thinking like it's probably going to, I mean, you can already see that the PlayStation 5 is more popular. It's not like I really am backing a winner or anything. It, it doesn't matter to me because I'm going to have them both anyway. But mm -hmm. uh, it just looks like the PlayStation, once again, is going to be the more popular console. Yeah. I, I feel I feel really bad for people who go with like PlayStation 5 Digital or the oh, yeah, Xbox Series X. Oh, Series X. See, there I'm going. I'm turning up already. Series S, uh, if they go with those, because the games... Okay, so my PlayStation 5, I've got a couple physical games and a couple digital games I got for review. And just having... I want to say Spider-Man Miles Morales, Demon Souls, and Call of Duty Cold War, that's already almost my entire drive, not to mention having Astro's uh playroom right so it's like it, I, I think it has uh m2 slot for expansion but you can't use it yet right <laughs> like what's up <laughs> so 
Yeah, it's yeah. If you get digital, people just uh, yeah, you're gonna have to work <laughs> with very very limited space, and right. these games don't help at all. Yeah, it's like you. It's like okay, I'll, I'll delete this one to make some space, and then you want to play it again, and it's like great. Well, I'll just let it download for. hours because like you know over 100 gigabytes i had to do that with like was it forza horizon 4 or whatever the latest one is on xbox series x that's like 120 gigabytes no it's the master chief collection that was like 120 gigabytes yeah and it's like oh my goodness that's like more than two blu-rays so i was like (laughs) wow and it still it, wanted to install some stuff from the disc. Not everything, but just some stuff. What are your thoughts on that? Like with how basically games these days are on disc, it's basically just DRM. It's a DRM protection. Almost. Um, it depends. Like, yeah, sometimes, you know, you'll, you'll buy a game and they'll have a day one update. Sometimes you can still play the game without that day one update. Like mm-hmm. I just saw on digital foundry today where uh the last guardian on the playstation 4 mm-hmm. um, if you have the physical disc and you put it in your playstation 5 and you do not let it update from the disc it will mm-hmm. run at 60 frames per second if you do let it update it won't it'll only run at 30. so it's actually you have to work with the first version of the game and mm-hmm. uh just not let it up late update to, in order to play the best version of the game. So there you, you can still get the full games on disc. And I kind of like what limited run games does. I mean, I don't, I'm not a huge fan of what, how they used to do it, but they're, they're a lot better now where they do pre-orders, but mm-hmm. they always make sure to have the entire game on the disc or the card yeah. in the case of the switch. And um, usually with a lot of the DLC as well, which is great. Yeah. Yeah, it's. I know modern gamers are probably you know they, they don't have any complaints, well, or limited complaints, not no complaints, limited complaints about uh, having to install games, you know, from disc or many now are just going digital because digital games are always on sale, and every mm-hmm. time you turn around, PlayStation has a sale, Nintendo has a sale, so does Xbox. But for me, it's always been jarring because. You know, growing up 80s, 90s, you just put the card in and boom, there you go. Or put right. the CD in and boom, there you go. Like, but now it's like, put it in, wait an hour, <laughs> <laughs> install, download the update. I know, right? The games, games are almost too big. I mean, I hate to say that because I don't like to limit or want to sound like I want to limit creativity or anything, but it, mm-hmm. it's like they're almost too big for their own good. Um, yeah. But at the same time, I like seeing what they're able to do with all that space. So it's kind of like you can't really win no matter what you really do. But there's also <laughs> a lot of, you know, indie games out there which are really small and they, they yeah. work fast. They're not going to need a whole lot of updates. And if they yeah. do, they're going to be like very tiny. So. Man, that's, Did that's... You... Oh, go ahead. No, I was about to tell you to go ahead, I think. So... Oh, okay, okay. I was going to say, do you feel like... Um... You know, do you feel like you're gravitating more towards like indie or game or indie games or games where you can just pick up and play and just go from there? Because I I feel like, you know, being older, I do feel like it's an investment to play a lot of 
I guess you can say the mainstream popular games at this point because right. you have to sit through an hour or more of tutorials. You got to learn all these mechanics. You got to memorize what does what and then all the dialogue. I feel like, you know, being older, having a family and whatnot, it's just like, just let me play the game. <laughs> yeah, I definitely feel like that. Um, <laughs> it's crazy. Like, I was just saying, you know, games are too big for their own good. I think a lot of games mm -hmm. are too complicated for their own good. It's like, oh, you got to learn like what each and every button does and they all do something different. You got to learn how to do this and that. It's like tutorials are like, I don't know, just let me learn as I play the game. Yeah. I feel it's the best way. I mean, it's kind of hard to design a game like that. Yeah. I think a tutorial is kind of a, a cheaper way out, a cheap way out, um, just because... You know, they just don't want to design the gameplay to where you, you have to do a certain function in order to do it. They just throw it at, at you all at once, and then you don't remember half of it. And another thing about, you know, games these days is, you know, you play and you get, you know, so far, and, and this can even happen in retro games too. This isn't just modern games. Mm -hmm. But um, you get to a certain point and you take a break and you just don't come back for a day, a week, a month a year who knows mm -hmm. and then you find like oh yeah i want to i want to finish that up again and you don't remember how to play mm -hmm. um you don't remember what buttons do what especially with the modern games and then um with the retro games too you don't remember what you were supposed to do what you're what you were currently you know were you going to the next town to get a certain item what item was that you don't remember so mm -hmm. it's just like oh man that's that's why i like games that are just easy to pick up and play when yeah. I, I love what, like stupid racing games and stuff like that. <laughs> um, so, so, uh, switch, switching gears, I, I want to ask you this because this is a, a topic that uh, my friend Adam Korlick and I we were talking about this a lot. And um, it's when it comes to Sega. So, Sega on a public front, they seem to have this yes, we had the Sega Genesis. We had the Sega Dreamcast, but like if you mentioned Sega Saturn or 32X or anything that's not the discs of the Dreamcast, Sega's like, what are you talking about? They're like, MIB with that pin. You don't. <laughs> you know? Oh, man. I mean, they, they should embrace it. I mean, especially the Saturn. Yeah. Like, I can understand them like being a little embarrassed about 32X, but I don't. I think very many people still work at Sega who worked back when the 32X was, you know, not any of the decision makers anyway. And, uh, but the Saturn, that was incredibly impressive in Japan. I mean, it outdid the PlayStation for a while and, mm -hmm. um, and it had a ton of great games that never came out over here. Um, even over here though, it's still a great system. Um, sure. The PlayStation just kicked its ass, but mm -hmm. uh, they should just, you know, embrace that. I think there's, a lot of interest in the Saturn. If they were to come out with a Saturn mini or whatever, it would mm -hmm. sell. It would absolutely sell just because people would be curious the, I believe the Sega Saturn episode of game sack is still the most popular one. Mm -hmm. just, and the 32 X one is up there as well. Just not necessarily because people like it, but they're just like really curious to know more about it. It was an odd system that they didn't necessarily experience. So they want to know more about it. Mm -hmm. so, I, I think they should not. I think they should just embrace it. They really should because, like, I still have my Saturn. Um, and when I go back and play it, I'm like, 
it's a ton of great games, especially when the the games you can import. Like, yeah. if you were into arcade games, I mean, the Saturn was what you wanted, yeah, to play. Definitely. But, um, yeah, that's that's uh, <laughs> that's that's the thing I find funny about Sega. They're like, yeah, <laughs> what are you talking about? No, we only had the Genesis and the Dreamcast. Like, okay. Where's the master system? Don't forget that too. It's like what? <laughs> we don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, they didn't. They didn't make a master system mini. I almost think that they should. You know, I never even thought about it until now. Mm-hmm. Um, sure, it wouldn't be anywhere near as popular as even the Genesis mini. But there's a lot of games from Europe that they could put on there that didn't come out over here, and they could just, you know, the games are so tiny, and they could just cram everything almost everything yeah. except for the license stuff and uh yeah. i'd buy one i mean why not <laughs> <laughs> well i've got a, a couple more questions for you completely being respectful of your time uh w- one of the questions i have is uh when it comes to uh collecting retro how hard is it now compared to say like 10 years ago oh wow 10 years ago it seemed much easier because Dave and I would go to thrift stores like mm-hmm. every weekend or every other weekend. And we'd usually find something like not mm-hmm. necessarily like great or anything, but you know, there would be times where we would find some really good stuff and there, there'd be all these retro game shops around town too. I mean, there still mm-hmm. are a few, but not as many. And, uh, they would, their prices wouldn't be bad, but you know, once, word of that got around everyone started doing it so now it's, i don't even really bother going to thrift stores anymore because i'm sure there are people who go there every single day just mm-hmm. to see what they have and buy it up and sell it on ebay uh, as far as collecting uh if i absolutely need some i'll just bite the bullet and buy it on ebay um i don't really have much of a choice or uh, if i if i need a console i'll go to my friend's store he has he runs game force boulder up in boulder and mm-hmm. uh he usually has a bunch of consoles for sale and i'll just buy one of those okay like i did for the saturn when i got my mode it's like i'm not putting my mode in my original saturn and that's going to be unmolested i'm just going to get mm-hmm. a new saturn and put the <laughs> i mean take out the optical drive and put that in there so <laughs> i did that with the dreamcast too that's that's one thing I wish we still had out here in Hawaii was like retro game stores. We used to have one for the longest. Uh, we used to have uh, um, was it Toys and Joys, which was the place you go for if you're looking for stuff for cosplaying, if you're looking for you know anime and that wasn't out here. If you're looking for manga or, or just import games, that was the spot to go. And it's been sadly ten years. And all we have out here is probably three game stops left because they keep closing down left and right. <laughs> and we have one book off left. And I think just Best Buy. That's it. Yeah. And then trying to import anything or not just import, trying to buy anything. I mean, you could even be stuff from Amazon. You can't get it sent here just because of... Uh, was it the shipping regulations like when i was i pre-ordered the SES classic and the nes classic they couldn't ship here because of uh what they said uh battery capacity just some type of uh shipping regulation issue out here 
That's weird. So, yeah. <laughs> Try building a computer out here trying to get parts. Good luck. <laughs> wow. Like, PSU? No, you're not buying that for your computer. You want a graphic <laughs> card? No, that's not. What, what, can you, what are you going to make with that? No, no. <laughs> you, same thing even with cell phones. Like, they even trying to get cell phones. Like, unless you're going through a carrier, like, it's almost impossible. Hmm. So it's it's sad. So yeah. thrift stores. I think we probably have savers. <laughs> oh, we yeah. got yeah. Even then, I think they caught on to like retro stuff because exactly. the last time I was in there, I saw a uh, what did I see? I did. I saw a Atari Jaguar, and they marked it up to like one hundred and fifty dollars. I'm like, who's paying that? Yeah, for it. Atari Jaguar. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I know like Goodwill, they caught mm. on and the, when that stuff comes in, it just goes right onto their website where it's an auction, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's wild. But um, so, uh, other than that, uh, I guess the last couple of questions I have too would be about uh, as far as content creating goes, like what are your thoughts, I, I guess in the sense now when it comes to trying to build or reach an audience do you find that social media is imperative and if so it definitely helps um most of my views just come come from the subscribers on youtube or people mm-hmm. you know just looking up GameSack on youtube but it's helpful like for what we mentioned before like youtube not always sending out notifications Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'll send out a, a tweet and uh, I'll post on the GameSack Facebook page that, hey, new episode just launched. Here's the link. Go watch. Please mm-hmm. and thank you. And um, I think it helps. I get a lot of traffic from that. Not, you know, thousands upon thousands upon thousands or anything, but I think it helps. And if I guess you can have people know who you are on those platforms, it, it helps. Like when I first started GameSack, I didn't have any of that. I just had, mm-hmm. you know, forums like the Sega 16 forum or the PC Engine mm-hmm. FX forum. And uh, I would post my episodes on there. Hey, check this out. And then someone said, hey, you should post, upload these to Screw Attack as well. And mm-hmm. uh, so I started doing that. And um, they picked one of our episodes, the TurboGrafx 16 episode, and featured it on their front page for like a day. And then that's when mm-hmm. we started growing. So uh, you can't really, there's no screw attack or things to, to feature you in that manner to my knowledge anymore. So yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's tough. I think consistency is really the best rules. Like I, I release a video every other week and sometimes I release bonus episodes more than that, but consistency is good. As long as people can count on you to release stuff, I think they'll, it'll help your channel grow. Yeah. I, I've I've found that you know, like you said, like consistency is the best way. And as far as like social, like I agree with you. Social media helps. It's interesting. Like when I upload videos, uh, ones that, and, and I don't know if you if you've run into this yourself, but like I know for me, there are videos I put a lot of time and effort into, and they don't do well. Right. And the ones that are kind of and I hate to call it that, but like a throwaway episode, like, okay, all right, I'll, I'll throw this out. You know, like for me, I did um, Mafia Trilogy when mm-hmm. that came out last year. 
I, I covered it because, you know, I got the code for it and I, I, I did the review, but it was not something I was incredibly passionate about. Mm-hmm. But that one blew up and I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, it's like the more effort you put into a video, the inversely popular it will be. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's, it always feels like that. So um, do you feel like YouTube as a career is viable for people these days? Uh, it can be, but you have to be really careful. Um, you have to make sure, like like I said, consistency. If you're consistent, mm-hmm. then perhaps you can rely on the income. Um, if you're just throwing out videos here and there when, when they're done, um, I, yeah, I, I, I would... It would, I would be very, very, very nervous about it because you don't really know unless you're like you just have a huge base and your videos whenever you put them out just do incredible views, then mm-hmm. you can probably get away with just doing it whenever. But like for me, I, I just have to have stuff in the bag and release them regular in order to have a sustainable income. Yeah. Do you? Uh, is it? You know, over the years, I know you get you've worked with various uh, companies and such. Has it been surreal, like yeah, being yeah. to go from fan to to being able to be like it's essentially you know business partners by covering their products or working with them? Like, has that like what is that experience like for you? Well, that that's yeah, that's that can be definitely kind of surreal. It's like I remember asking Namco if I could get a copy of the. Katamari game, Katamari game for the uh, Switch, and they sent me a physical mm-hmm. copy. I was like, "Whoa, um, <laughs> like, this is Namco!" <laughs> and then, of course, Sega sent the uh, Genesis Mini. I was like, "Okay, that's cool." And then I was, there was a little bit of controversy about that, and I found myself talking on the phone to them a, a couple of weeks later. Really? Then, um, yeah, it was about the whole Tower of Power thing. How they were just oh yeah, it to some YouTubers, and it's like. Okay, that's kind of weird but they were you know trying to test waters to see if it would sell and apparently mm-hmm. apparently their test didn't come back saying that it would because they haven't sold it <laughs> um, <laughs> um and then uh you know talking with people who actually make the games mm-hmm. like uh the creator of the wonder boy games uh contacted mm-hmm. me after we made our wonder boy versus adventure island episode like mm-hmm. so long ago, that was like when our, our first 20 episodes or so. And mm-hmm. uh, he, he, he like wrote and I was just like blown away. It's like this guy made Wonder Boy. He made all the Wonder Boy games except for the the Monster World one. And mm-hmm. um, I was just so stoked. And, you know, being able to talk to people like Yuzo Koshiro and, and other people, other musicians, it's just been incredible. It's just like I never thought I would ever talk to these people. Even like, like I don't know if I, how much I'm, can, I can. I guess I can talk about this. Uh, a couple of years ago, the mm-hmm. other another channel I'm friends with, My Life in Gaming, mm-hmm. uh, we went out to Illinois, and we were interviewing uh, a lot of people who used to write for the Electronic Gaming Monthly magazine, mm-hmm. and I used to read that magazine religiously. And uh, talking to those people in real life, interviewing them, that was just nuts. That's something that I never thought I would be able to do. And I wouldn't mm-hmm. be able to do if I, you know, GameSack wasn't a thing. So that was, that's pretty awesome too. Well, on the same token, you and GameSack, you guys, you're a celebrity. 
yourself. <laughs> hey, 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 you can say that, but look, for me, I'm a fan of, of your work. So <laughs> it's surreal for me being able to have this conversation with you. So how does that feel? Like, have you had the experience where people have, you know, told you like how big of a fan they are or, or yeah. you know, they'd love it's, your work? Yeah, that happens a lot. And I appreciate that. It's, it's kind of weird getting uh, recognized in public which, you know, it hasn't happened in over a year because of COVID and everything. So yeah, a lot of public appearances going around, but, you know, I've been recognized at McDonald's in airports uh, and other restaurants and in the grocery store. It's crazy. <laughs> it's like, you don't think <laughs> that would happen. You're just going about your day. It's like, Hey man, love the show. It's like, wait, what? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so that now with me wearing a mask everywhere I go, they can't recognize me. So, <laughs> <laughs> was it um, was it surreal like going to like stuff like too many games like? Oh like, yeah, kind of. Um, well, it's more surreal for me to like, you know, kind of like you're experiencing right now. I was like me- meeting the other creators. Like mm-hmm. when I met Happy Console Gamer. Um, mm-hmm. It was weird because I, I'd never seen him in 3D before. And that was the first thing <laughs> I thought of. It's like, wow, his face has depth. It's so weird. <laughs> it's a weird first thing to think, but that's what I thought. And uh, yeah. And then, but yeah, going, doing the panels and, you know, people filling the room, wanting to see you and talk to you. That's, that's, that is definitely weird. It's not something I've met. I don't think I'll ever be able to get used to is, you know, I think it's really cool, but it's just, it's just something that's just crazy. Get used to it. <laughs> yeah. If you ever came cool. out here to, if you ever came out here to Hawaii, you'd have a, a ton of fans. There's a oh, yeah? folks out here love game sack. So, <laughs> well, the, the closest I've ever got to Hawaii was playing the test drive unlimited game, which takes place. Yeah. Um, there, I don't know if you've played that. It's an open ring, yeah. open world driver. Yeah, and I created a character that just looks almost like me in the game. <laughs> <laughs> I played that game religiously for quite some time. Awesome, awesome. I'm sure All the right. roads are exactly like it here in real life. Well, I, I felt like a lot of the roads that they they put in that game were kind of like an amalgamation of like here on Oahu and in Honolulu and then Maui and, and Big Island. Cause I was like, I remember when I was playing, I was like, okay, this, yeah, this looks familiar. I know what this is. And then, oh, well, okay. That, that's not (laughs) (laughs) like watching Hawaii five Oh, and it's like, they're driving one area and then you're like, oh, wait, okay. That's a whole different Island. Like, (laughs) (laughs) uh, so, so uh, last two questions I have for you. Um, so this one is going back to ease. Like, yeah, I absolutely loved the episode that, you did but uh ease and covering the history of that franchise and is it intri- like, uh, I, I say shocking a lot but <laughs> is it shocking yes I'm, we're gonna stick with it is it shocking to see ease is slowly but finally starting to catch mainstream attention well, after makes- like, what 30 years right <laughs> Yeah, it makes me happy. I'm I'm just happy that they're still making games, which is why I always make sure to buy them. I hear that East Nine is probably mm-hmm. not, you know, it's nowhere near as good as East Eight. Still gonna buy it. Yeah. Still gonna play through it. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I just gotta support, it. and I usually buy it like uh, 
on as many different consoles as I can. Just, you know, I just want to mm-hmm. do my part to make sure these East games still get made to the future because they're just so fun. They always have great music. And even if they're not the best, most in-depth games in the world, they're still really fun to play through. And they, mm-hmm. they've just got this fast-paced combat, yet, you know, with this RPG kind of stuff tacked on, which is still really fun. And mm-hmm. it, there's just not a whole lot like it anymore. And I just really like it, even though they tend to look very, very simple compared to other games on whatever platforms they appear on. Yeah, definitely is. It, it's awesome that if you play it on PC, you can get almost all the titles. Um, yeah. But, you know, that I'm glad to see that, you know, more people are hopping on it. I thought it was interesting when Ease 8 came to the Switch. A lot of Nintendo fans were like, oh, this is a Zelda knockoff. And I'm like, <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm like, you guys do know that these two series are roughly the same age. Right. Give or take a couple months. <laughs> yep. But yeah, it's it's good to see that that franchise is finally yeah. come around. And have you played the demo for nine? Because it no, I don't want to play the demo. I want to just get get it and just go straight into it. I know I've heard people say the dungeon isn't overly impressive, but I don't care. It it has a weird ten minute limit. Ten yeah, so it's like after ten minutes, it just kicks you out and reboots the demo. But how oh, weird the gameplay. And I'm hoping this is just the demo itself, um, but it does feel slightly like a step down from mm-hmm. eight. And eight was great. Oh, eight was fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> so fingers crossed that that one turns out really good. Yeah. And hopefully, I mean, even if it's lackluster compared to eight, hopefully 10 will even be better, like better than eight. Mm-hmm. So just as long as they keep going, because, you know, they came out with East four, you know, the, that those were really good and then mm-hmm. number five only came out in super famicom it wasn't so hot and then there was a long lull and then they finally came out with number six and mm-hmm. that one was really good and then they just started kind of getting better and better yeah so last question i got okay is so for you when you do your your uh hardware teardowns what inspired you to do that? Like, are you all, are you, I, I know you're a tech head, you know, love tech. Mm-hmm. So what, what inspired you to incorporate that into GameSack? Well, I basically, like you said, I'm a tech head. I just like talking about it. If, like, I've always been kind of into the numbers when it comes to the hardware. So mm-hmm. like, uh, for example, if the, Genesis has two background layers. I want to mention it. I want people to know that if it, if it has 10 sound channels, I want people to know that. And I want mm-hmm. to, them to know the correct information because they'll get the Genesis's processor speed wrong a lot. And then, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like other outlets who report on the text. And I don't know. I just think it's cool because I basically kind of make it into something that I'd want to watch. Mm-hmm. Like if I'm reading an article or watching a video on said console, what would I want to see covered? And mm-hmm. that, that's kind of the angle I go at it. And that's basically how it ends up the way it is. Okay. Okay. You do fantastic edit. Like the, the, I've always been curious, like the way you do how it, you know, you're taking apart the system and it, the parts are just moving. 
How much time does that take? Not as much as you think. I'm granted, <laughs> I've, I've done it a lot, so I'm, I, I'm like really quick about it. But mm-hmm. yeah, if, like if something take coming apart, it take me about maybe 20, 30 minutes to photograph it all, and then uh, maybe another 10 once I bring all the, the photographs upstairs and compile it to the computer and put them together and then just kind of mm. zoom it around or whatever I need to do. So, yeah, not too bad. It's impressive. <laughs> it's truly impressive. <laughs> um, but, yeah, is there anything you want to leave uh, the audience with, you know, your fans and or any aspiring content creators with before we go? Yes, please watch GameSack. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, all right. And uh, I actually lied. I do have one final question for you. Okay. Did you have fun? Yes, I did. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for having me on. Yeah, of course, of course. And um, where can people find you again? I, You know, for the two people in the back that don't know, but... Uh, (laughs) www.youtube.com slash GameSack. That should work. (laughs) If that doesn't, then just search for GameSack either all one word or two words on on the Googles, you'll find it. Or gamesack.net, little web page I threw up. Mm-hmm. That'll take you to the YouTube channel, Have you show you some extra goodies as well. Awesome, awesome. And I'll, I'll leave links to everything in the description below for this podcast and more. So make sure you go and subscribe to GameSack on their YouTube channel. And click that bell. (laughs) Click click the bell. Ding the bell for notifications that we stay up to date on all the Lace and Grace content that they put out. Um, And even if, you know, even if YouTube doesn't tell you, there's there's Facebook page, there's Twitter. So just make sure you're on it. You know, keep keep hitting that refresh button. Yeah, yeah. Just just go to the YouTube channel. Just refresh every video like once an hour, just to just to be sure. Right? <laughs> probably get banned <laughs> if people start doing that. <laughs> so with that being said, you guys can catch this episode of the podcast along with many others. Uh, video format. It's on YouTube.com/slash Mikhail Casanova as well as on Twitch.tv/slash Mikhail Casanova. And also on audio format, we're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Pandora, and we just got recently brought on to Amazon Music. Amazon reached out to us to get the show over there, so shout out to them for that uh, being possible. And uh, with that being said, this is Mikhail and Joe from GameTech. We are signing out, you guys. Make sure you go subscribe, hit the notification bell on GameTech. Go, go do it right now. Right now. now. Go to the right now. Like right now, right now. <laughs> Wait, I'm looking. <laughs> I am judging. Uh, with that being said, you guys have a great one. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode. I hope it was informative, engaging, and you enjoyed it. And if you did, make sure you go ahead and leave a rating and a review. It greatly helps out the podcast and helps the platforms that we're on. Go ahead and promote us more so that more people can check it out. And if you're wondering what all platforms we're on, aside from what you've listened to it on, we're available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Pandora, Spotify, Amazon Music, and more. And if you want to support the podcast, then we've got Patreon, so patreon.com slash Mikhail Casanova, which allows us to continue doing what we're doing. If you're looking for this in video format, we're also available on twitch.tv slash Casanova as well as youtube.com slash Casanova. 
So with all that being said, I'll catch you on the next episode of Hawaii's number one podcast and the number one podcast in the Pacific, the Casanova Podcast. You have a great day, and I'll see you on the next one. Yeah.